Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. Good Wednesday afternoon. Oh, it is a chilly one. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this afternoon. Definitely the top news story of 2017, probably into 2016 as well, was the opioid crisis. The number of fentanyl overdoses that we were talking about, it seemed almost on a a daily basis. I want to spend a bit of time, though, in looking at our approach to the opioid crisis and whether or not we should be moving it out of the criminal problem to a very serious public health issue. Gabriela Novotna is an associate professor, faculty of social work at the University of Regina. She joins us today. Hello, Gabriela. Hello. How serious of a problem was fentanyl in your province this past year? I think you already indicated that this uh, problem has been with us over the past years, and Saskatchewan is not an exception. The provinces in the Western Canada have been affected the most, British Columbia, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. I'm pleased to see to the recognition and the awareness of the problem and the attention uh, to the issue. Remind us really how it all began, because I think there was good intentions when we were dealing with one crisis with OxyContin, but then it changed into a bigger problem with fentanyl. Exactly. So what we uh, witnessed or what we experienced here in Canada was uh, big pharma mismarketing of opioid painkillers, right? We have witnessed the diversion of prescription medication and and they increased street presence. Later on, however, we experienced that campaigns to cut off heroin supplies uh, being part of the supply uh, drug policies have encouraged the growth of labs producing uh, much more potent illicit uh, drugs, um, that which includes counterfeit fentanyl. So what we have witnessed really, and not only in Canada, but in, uh, I would say, in, in North America in general, and the European Union and the UK have been reporting this as well, is that that iron law of prohibition and more interdiction actually um, have produced stronger drugs. Which sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our head around because when we talk about drugs, illicit drugs, we think that we should put more police behind it, do more to get people behind bars. And ultimately, it doesn't appear as if that's been working. Is that what we're seeing? Well, it's not only me who has been saying this. Um, there are other uh, public health professionals or researchers, and uh, also there are other politicians who are saying the same thing. I don't want to undermine the, the work of the police in relation to illicit drugs, but it seems that drug use and possession of drugs and criminalization of possession of drugs disproportionately affect certain non-dominant groups such as racialized people, poor, Aboriginal peoples of First Nations and Indigenous peoples. 
So we see that we perpetuate the crisis that these people already experienced by uh, criminalizing uh, them uh, for using or possessing the drugs. So I think that abandoning the moralizing punitive logic of, of the war of, on drugs and embrace a more public health approach uh, is something that is really on the horizon. And it seems like other people have been thinking and considering this public health approach to drug. It appears, Gabriella, that we're taking steps in the right direction. We do have safe consumption sites, which I think is is difficult for a lot of people to understand the fact that you're allowing people to use illegal drugs, but at least they're in a safe place in the event that the drugs are bad and the overdose. We're making sure that frontline services, whether it be police or paramedics, they have the naloxone kits in order to prevent a fatal overdose. But while all this is going on, it must be still difficult because these drugs are illegal. So is is that where we have a, a real battle between making sure we're addressing it as a public health issue, but still recognizing that they are illegal substances? I think that what you said clearly summarizes the situation uh, that we have been dealing with. And uh, in terms of public health approach and scaling up of some of the public health interventions, we had seen the attempt to do that. However, as I said, criminalization of possession or drug use might not help. Uh, to those groups who need different types of uh, different types of support, and also we need to understand that there are different groups of people who use drugs. Some of the people would use drugs recreationally, and uh, some of the other people would be really heavy drug users and uh, would be engaged in chronic drug use, and they deal with different issues. So we have a different groups of high-risk populations. So we have inner-city street drug users that are homeless. We have people in correctional services that need services and support after they they are released. Then we have, as I said, youth and adolescents that might be experimenting with drugs So there are all these issues and differences among drug users that need to be taken into consideration. And I think that criminalization of drug use is not probably helping to solve problem or support to those who need our help. So if criminalization isn't helping, isn't working, then we have to talk about decriminalization, which some people misconstrue as legalization, considering what we're going through with recreational marijuana now. But decriminalization, as we've seen in countries like Portugal, how does that look in a society, Gabriella? You are absolutely right. Decriminalization and legalization, these terms shouldn't be really used interchangeably. When we talk about decriminalization and the case of Portugal, it means that the possession of drugs in amounts deemed for personal use is not criminalized. So a person is not criminalized just because that person has a certain substance on him or with him or 
right? So what has happened in Portugal is that rather than putting people in jails when uh, they have drugs, when they possess drugs, they are offered a range of services, whether it would be brief interventions based on their needs or a longer-term interventions, really tailoring those interventions to people's needs. That has been going on for quite a while in Portugal. What results have we seen, especially if we're looking at the ultimate crisis of overdoses? What have we seen in Portugal when we compare it to other places where those drugs are still criminalized? What has been reported is that Portugal now averages three overdoses deaths per one million people every year when we compare these numbers to the European Union, that was 17. Uh, in the United Kingdom, average is 44 deaths. In Canada, Canada has had uh, more than 2,000 opioid-related deaths in the last year. And um, we have seen the increase you know, of opioid poisonings, right, like uh, emergency room visits and some of those would end up as opiate-related deaths or overdoses. We have situations where the help doesn't arrive um, on time. You know what, if nothing else, it's something that we've got to look at because what we've been doing up until now does not seem to be working. Gabriella, thanks so much for starting the conversation. Thank you for having me. Gabriella Novotna is an associate professor, faculty of social work at the University of Regina. And I've talked about this in the past, but this year I want to talk about it again. And the fact is, especially as we move this year at some point to the legalization of marijuana, should we be looking more closely at the decriminalization of some other drugs? 403-974-8255 would love to hear your opinion that we've got to start looking at drug addiction as a public health issue as opposed to a criminal issue. We're back after this. 911 on a new night Thursday March 14th on Global stream on Stack TV